I'm Cathy Caton and this is The Sipping Forecast, a podcast on all things drinks and the brilliant people who make the industry what it is. Today, I'm talking to Becky Paskin, co-founder of ourwhiskey.com. She's a journalist, booze communicator, international woman of whiskey, all of those things. Becky, how have you ended up doing what you do? How do you end up being an international booze communicator, for example? <laughs> um, very lucky and a liver of steel, I think, is, is probably the key to being able to do to do my job. Actually, I do feel quite lucky, actually, because I never really set out to, to work in spirits. I, I wanted to be a film critic was was my goal you know I, I studied film and television at university and then went on to do a, a NTTJ a journalism uh, diploma and the idea was 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 to yeah write about film and I, I had work experience at Uncut magazine and and I absolutely loved it but I was also told you'll never make a journalist because my writing was so appalling <laughs> so <laughs> I took that and thought right well do you know and this is the way, this is kind of my, my, my take on everything in life. Somebody tells me I can't do something, I bloody well prove them wrong. <laughs> so uh, I set out to, to be a journalist. But um, I, yeah, obviously I didn't, I didn't end up in film. Uh, I actually found it very difficult to find a job straight out of university. Um, just a lot of people looking to do the same thing. So I was working in, in pubs and restaurants and behind the bar and I learned how to make cocktails. I learned how to pour a perfect pint of Guinness and eventually landed a, a role with a website called Big Hospitality, which was at the time the online outlet for Restaurant Magazine. And that was incredible, you know, getting to work within the, the realm of, of food and drink was eye-opening and I really developed a passion for it. So that kind of led me on to getting a, a role with the Spirits Business, which is a, a international trade publication. I was deputy editor and then editor of the spirits business. And that's where I developed a love for whiskey in particular, a huge passion. And then went on to become editor of scotchwhiskey.com, which uh, was an incredible publication. And I know I'm biased, but in, <laughs> I do think it was the best whiskey publication that's ever been. Uh, I think hopefully a lot of people will agree with that I know I was editor so I am biased but I think it's very difficult to 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 rival the quality of of writing that came out of that publication that, that was a very you know casual oh and then I became editor of the, it is not that easy no you don't just become editor of, of of something you've got to put your graft in and earn your chops to to get an editorship yes you do and I do work really hard <laughs> too hard sometimes and it is I think I think it's not just about being a a good writer so the, the I think that the key to, to being a good editor is not just being a good writer yourself it's understanding other writers and being able to coax the best out of other writers too whilst presenting balanced informed and accurate that's a key word variety of content that your audience ultimately wants to to read because you know the audience is key and you always with everything that you do they are in your focus they're in your vision so it's everything you do is for your key audience and I think for the readers of scotchwhiskey.com particularly they've maybe not had something quite at that standard quite at that level online before certainly there were some print publications that have been doing a great job but the type of content we were putting out wasn't available online and I still don't think it's been rivaled yet even though there are some great 
there were some great websites out there. It's not been rivaled. And I mean, sadly, you know, we can talk about this, but it didn't get the support that it needed from industry. Why and, not? And sadly, this is the way that a lot of publications are going. And, you know, publishing is a very difficult industry these days. And, and sadly, it folded in November 2019? 2019 seems like an extremely long time ago. It's a lifetime ago. <laughs> it's probably a lifetime ago. Why didn't it get the support? I believe it was a mixture of a few things. Ultimately, it's a lot of brands these days put more value in the role of influencers on social media. It's it's cheaper. They can reach a wider audience and an audience which which tends to trust the person that they're following. So why pay for, for instance, display advertising on a website where you're just one of many brands that just is there for a minute that, that users don't necessarily even pay attention to when, when you can actually have a piece of editorial content with just a very tiny hashtag ad in the corner. I think that that's got a lot to, to say for it. And, you know, there, there are definitely a few major product launches during the end of 2019 that I certainly saw where they would be spending millions on huge uh, display advertisements in like the center of Times Square, flying influencers out to Singapore to um, to treat them to dinner at this a beautiful product launch, taking them out on boat trips and feeding them from the caviar and champagne and all the rest of it just to get a photo on their Instagram. And is that really the best use of their money? I don't, well, that's that's the way they feel. But unfortunately, it does mean the death of independent journalism. If this is the direction we go, and it's not just in whiskey, it's, it's in every subject as well. I'm very nervous that that's the way we're going to be going. And I think you'll see the number of blogs that have taken off, that people who are passionate about their subject are willing to write for free. So as a brand, you don't need to support that blog because these people are willing to write for free. All you need to do is send them the product, send them a bottle of whiskey. They've got it in front of them. They'll write anyway. They may not be independent. They may not be impartial. They may not be accurate. And you may not be able to trust what they're writing, but at least it's free. And, and unfortunately, I think that, that all of these things combine to, to spell the end of independent journalism. It needs more support. Something has to be done, but I've got no idea what. <laughs> Maybe you can help. <laughs> But, but I think that's a really key thing, actually, about the sort of thing about, you know, expectation of quality journalism being for free, that it just, you know, it mag it magics up and beautiful articles write, write themselves and that, you know, I kind of wonder about the role, say, of investigative journalism, things that are, take a lot of time and energy to to do. But there is a, an expectation that you'll be able to read everything for free on the interweb. I also have no solutions. You should rush to point out. <laughs> it is frustrating. And you're right. And, it, and it, the, the amount of work that goes into creating, for instance, a magazine or even an article online is you have the journalist who's writing it. They're spending hours, um, if not days, putting together an article, particularly if it's, you know, a very well put together investigative piece with a lot of different voices that takes time interviewing people, understanding the subject matter, let alone even writing it. You then have the editor who checks through the copy and makes sure that it is actually saying what it needs to say. There's a sub-editor to make sure that everything is 
accurate and there's no spelling grammar punctuation mistakes you may have a designer somebody who lays it out in the magazine or, or helps it look nice online maybe you've got a photo researcher as well who's sourcing all of the photos that go along with that you've then also got the development team behind the scenes of the website which is making everything work and come together and then maybe you've got somebody who's doing all the social media to actually amplify that article out to the world now you're looking at a team of all together for one article something in the region of like seven to ten people and hours and hours of work that's gone into this one thing yet as an industry you're not willing to support that and it baffles me because when we talk about respected trusted publications i'm sure as a brand you'll be going this is incredible we've just got coverage in the new york times or in the telegraph or in the guardian and you know as a pr company you'll be doing cutouts to send to your brand look at the coverage that we've got isn't this incredible yet as a brand you're not willing to actually support those publications that you hold in such high regard yet you're willing to let them fail by not supporting them so i i do think that there's there's brands companies have a responsibility to support independent journalism and not just go for the easy, cheaper option to uh, reduce their marketing budgets. Why whiskey? What is it about whiskey that you love so much? Oh, my goodness. But it's fucking delicious, Kathy. Sorry, I know you're a gin girl, but <laughs> I do love my whiskey. I, I love, love a whiskey as well, but it does punish me, unfortunately. Whereas gin <laughs> lets me get away with it. I love the flavour. I love the variety. There is so much to it. But there's something almost... There's two things for me. It, there's something almost magical about whiskey in that it's a spirit that's created from raw ingredients by passionate humans who have a vision in their mind of what style of spirit they want to create. And then it goes into a cask and you don't see it again for another 10, 20, 30 years. And then it comes out the other side, tasting incredible. What happened in that cask is, I mean, there's been some research into that, not enough in my opinion, but it is an almost magical transformation that happens and, and the impact that that cask has. And, and then the use of different casks as well to nuance the flavours in different ways and to, to bring different aspects of this spirit to life. I just, it's, it's incredible. That's, so that, that's one thing that I love about it. The other is the stories that surround whiskey and the incredible people that make it who are obviously still still around today and you know they're using skills and passion that have been passed down through generations quite a lot of them but also the forebearers people who have established a whiskey industry that has been thriving for hundreds of years yes it's had it obviously it's it's troughs and peaks but the stories that go along with that and you know there's a reason why there are so many books dedicated to whiskey it's because there there are so many stories that still haven't been told stories of families and entrepreneurship and defying the odds and you know um, hiding from hiding the small stills from excisemen and vats of whiskey being turned upside down and flowing into rivers accidentally and the horror stories of people drowning in vats and just this <laughs> there's just there are so many stories in whiskey I just think it's a really rich subject area and I think I could probably write about it for the rest of my life and still have more to find out still have more to discover there are people who've even been in the industry for for such a long time people like David Stewart Richard Patterson, these blenders have been around for, well, in the industry for 50, 60 years, and they are still learning every day. They don't know it all yet. And I hope that I never reach a point where I've learned everything, because then I think I've become very bored. But it's a really fascinating category. 
presumably in, in any usual year or time, it spent a lot of time travelling around, seeing seeing people, connecting with distillers, working with people around, not only around the country, but, but around the world. Mm-hmm. What has your last year been like? I think like most people, it's hard to sum up in one word. It's been, it's gone quickly, but it's also really dragged at the same time. I, I, I mean, I started off... 2020 everything was going well so scotchwhiskey.com had just closed and I was only freelance for maybe three or four months before lockdown in March and at that point it was okay great so I'm not eligible for any support from the government also all my work has disappeared what do I do and immediately I started panicking and you know I, I love my apocalyptic films but this really felt like the apocalypse <laughs> and there was a lot of panic. Like, is this the end of all things? I can't believe we're actually living this. But I, you know, I, I had a discussion with a, with a good friend of mine, Mark Jennings, and just one morning and we were talking about how we, we were so sad that whiskey festivals have been cancelled. And I just thought, well, what we all miss is each other. So why didn't I bring to, try and bring everyone together with a festival? So I launched the Our Whiskey Virtual Whiskey Festival. And which ended up being the first online whiskey tasting. It was the first event to get whiskey in front of people. And we've been doing this all through the last year. There's been like whiskey, wine, beer tasting, like tons of things where you can buy a pack and and taste it all online. But this didn't exist at that point. So I was lucky enough to be able to bring it all together. We did four sessions for the, the festival and all of the proceeds went to the Drinks Trust. So we ended up raising £12,000 for the Drinks Trust through that initiative, which was fantastic. And it also kept me sane for a couple of months because otherwise I would have just been sitting around rotting, melting away into my couch, no doubt. So <laughs> it kept me sane. And off the back of that, work started to then pick up and things got a bit better. You know, the summer in Brighton, is a, it's a wonderful place to be despite the crowds of people coming down and trying to find a stretch of beach where there is nobody else there is, is quite a job in itself. <laughs> but it was, yeah, summer in Brighton was something special. I think going back into lockdown now, the other side uh, in winter has been, it, you know, it's difficult for everybody. And the, the thing I've realised is everybody is in there, has their own experience of, of lockdown in, in, in whatever scenario they're in. You know, I, I live on my own. I think it's I think it's just been difficult for everybody just generally. I think understanding that you need to be patient with yourself to allow yourself to to have low days to take advantage of when you have energy to <laughs> to um and push yourself as well. I've been doing a lot of reading, a lot of reading more than I think I've ever done in my life and and that's mostly because I've I've tried to establish new routines to make sure that I stay accountable to myself to to make sure that I get things done so that's um that's been really important to me yeah it's been spectacularly challenging I totally agree with you about this whole thing about time has just flexed in really really odd ways because it feels particularly at the at the moment grinding but then at the same time it's like bloody hell look a year's passed wow when you think back over it like 2020 feels like a lifetime maybe because so many big world events happened we had the the bushfires in australia in 2020 remember those (laughs) that was it seems like a decade ago and then you know we had everything from like black lives matters um all the way through to the the election and 
the rush on the capital just the, there seems to have been one thing after another and it's just i think it's just kept us all looking at whatever we can to keep our minds off of other things that are happening as well i was wondering why i like it so much but one of my guilty pleasures has been watching netflix and they've got a few series of goggle box on there and they were quite old i think the series i'm watching is all around theresa may is still in power <laughs> so it's it's quite an old series oh my god that feels like a lifetime ago as well is that oh, wow that happened during yeah. our lives i'm really enjoying watching them it takes my mind off it. so everything that's happened is not current so I don't care about what they're talking about, any of the news or anything like that. Certainly not who's being voted off of Strictly. That's like completely irrelevant. But what I love about it is you know all of the characters on Gogglebox, all the people watching TV. So you're watching TV with them. And because I live on my own, <laughs> I'm finding solace <laughs> in watching old TV shows with a bunch of people I don't know. <laughs> And it's, you know, it's so bizarre, but it's such a guilty pleasure and it makes me feel so calm. I tried the sourdough trend and the sourdough itself did well. And then I couldn't find flour to actually make the bread because <laughs> there was no flour. So poor Boris, as the sourdough was called, went down the sink. Poor thing. Tell me a bit about our whiskey and ourwhiskey.com. This was a initiative that I launched in 2018 with my very good friend, Georgie Bell. She's head of uh, brand advocacy at Bacardi for incubation brands. I think I heard that right, Georgie. Back in 2018, I, I approached her with an idea. We were both equally frustrated and fed up with whiskey always being referred to as a man's drink. And at the time she was global brand ambassador for the Bacardi Malts portfolio. She's been in whiskey for a very long time as well. And we wanted to do something about it so we thought well let's launch a campaign and international women's day was coming up so we wanted to just launch a campaign which highlighted the diverse face of whiskey the modern face of whiskey because as anybody who is in the industry knows it's not just men that drink it it's not just men that make it there are plenty of women and people of color in it maybe not so much in scotch but elsewhere there are plenty of people that don't fit that white male stereotype so we launched the campaign 8th of March 2018 and it blew up immediately. We didn't realise how much it was needed and the kind of reaction we would have to the point where I remember meeting with Georgie a couple of days later and we had lunch and we just said to each other, what have we created? What have we done? because the response we had was massive. In the following couple of years, we have continued to tell the story of the different people who work in whiskey and trying to highlight the lack of diversity, particularly within whiskey marketing. That is where we see this problem uh, being sort of stemming from, the, this perception of whiskey being a drink just for, for guys comes from whiskey marketing which still really only shows the whiskey consumer as being a white man gifting whiskey to his father or gifting it to his brother or drinking it with his mates and very rarely are the women featured in that so of course that's going to perpetuate this stereotype and this this understanding that whiskey is not something a woman should even bother even thinking about because it's certainly not for her so we have had some success over the last couple of years with consulting for brands on their, their campaigns and have successfully managed to get them to, to think a bit more about the representation in their marketing. But it hasn't really, we have never really been taken that seriously. 
by the industry, a lot of people realise that there's probably an issue, but they don't think that they're part of the problem. So we've spoken at several events, uh, several conferences, and there was even one conference I, I vividly remember being not invited to be part of the main lineup. But instead, would we rather be after dinner drinkers? So we weren't included in the schedule of speakers um, because we were speaking about women and nobody wants to hear about women in whiskey. We were invited to speak at 11 o'clock at night after dinner. So after everyone had been drinking all day, after everyone had eaten and were falling asleep, we, that's when we were invited to give our keynote speech. So we did. We just did it anyway, and we blew them all away. And uh, I think we did a great job of that because we just stood up for ourselves and we just did it. And it was, you know, it was a man that decided that we weren't interesting enough to speak. And since then, we've, we've continued to speak at events. We've had another event where we stood up and we were talking. And as we did, half the room got up and walked out because they didn't want to hear about women in whiskey or diversity. And you have to understand, everything that we do comes from a place of wanting the industry to be better and more successful. We love whiskey. We love the industry. And we genuinely do believe that the industry wants to be the best it possibly can. But this is perhaps a, a topic which is... Uh, an inconvenient truth or an, it's it's uncomfortable for people to hear so they don't necessarily want to sit through a, you know see here's two women standing up in front of us we don't want another feminist speech it's boring for them and unfortunately they do need to hear it because there is an issue and if the reaction to something that I put out on my social media channels last year if that doesn't prove anything I don't know what does I received hundreds of messages from women all around the world telling me that they had also, in the line of work whilst, whilst working in whiskey, been subjected to sexist remarks, unconscious bias, misogynistic remarks, sexually inappropriate behaviour, really bad behaviour in some cases. And they were sick of it and wanting to leave the industry. And these are women all the way from girls who've just started working in a shop selling whiskey or they are a tour guide or they're training to be a distiller all the way through to some of the most respected master blenders in the industry have all told me their stories and all said thank you for saying something that tells me that there is a widespread problem around the world and the industry can't close its eyes anymore and say this doesn't exist we're bored of this conversation we don't want to hear it they have to listen so our whiskey's mission and we've kind of stepped up now knowing all of this our whiskey's mission is to move the world into a place where a woman can walk into a bar and order a whiskey and no longer have to be asked would you want ice with that are you sure you want you want a whiskey that's too strong for you that's a man's drink we need to change the perception and that's what our whiskey is all about and there are so there are some plans coming in 2021 the timing of this chat is is i'm afraid you have, might have to bring me back on at some point kathy but we've got some plans so there'll be a big announcement hopefully um later in the year with some plans um but watch this space there's we're not going to stop there's, there's going to be more coming keep your eyes peeled how do you and Georgie keep your energy and enthusiasm and kind of the strength to keep going with those things and have those conversations and keep fighting the good fight? I'll be honest, it's actually been really hard for me this year, personally, since everything that happened in the fallout of September. I received a lot of very nasty direct messages 
lots of comments directed towards me and to other women in the industry as well, which was extremely upsetting. In some instances, there were death threats and rape threats directed towards towards women off the back of a simple discussion about whether whiskey is for women or not, or whether you should liken a whiskey to having sex with a woman or not. And I think it just goes to show the amount of misogyny that exists in the industry and the amount that people have to put up with. So in a way, it's really upsetting to hear these stories and the way that women have been treated. Um, I mean, I've, I've been treated appallingly by a lot of people as well. I've had some horrible messages that have been really upsetting. But ultimately, the thing that keeps me going is if you're passionate about something, you need an enemy. You need something to fight against. And for me, that enemy is the the existing unconscious bias and misogyny and the way that these women have been treated. And I'm sure Georgie will, will feels the same, but I want to change the way things are for the next generation of women who come into this industry, because we need to create a much more welcoming working environment for them so that they don't come in and feel like they have to prove themselves. They don't have to constantly fight for that promotion or to be heard or to be included amongst their male peers, that they don't have to prove that they also know their stuff as well as the guy standing next to them, that they are paid the same as the man standing next to them. And I feel like that, I mean, that's my driver. That's, that's my fire is I'm doing it for them. You can direct as much fire as you like against me and I'll try and take it and um, roll it off my back and callous my mind as David Goggins would say. Yeah, I'm doing it for, for the other women that come up, come after me. That's, that's what it's for. I'm sorry to have t- taken you into that place to ask you about it, but it's, but it is so, so important. And also that thing of showing, I mean, even to receive messages like that on the back of making a simple statement about things it just illustrates perfectly why the whole blinking thing needs to needs to change and and shift it is exhausting and it is upsetting but i've also got to say a huge thank you to people in the industry who supported me and georgie in our journey so far and we have some incredible allies and the the thing that really sort of galvanized my my own dedication towards this cause was the reaction from the whiskey industry in response to to a lot of comments that were out there in September and that for me just just showed that they were willing to listen and to take action and and instigate some change. And it's not always going to happen overnight. And I know a lot of people maybe thinking that these companies are virtue signaling. I don't believe that. I believe they genuinely want change. I think maybe they need a bit of guidance as to what that change is. And there are initiatives that are that are in place at the moment that are happening that are that helping people these companies move towards those in those directions and there are some incredible people working within the industry within these companies that are also helping guide those brands towards um better diversity and better representation and i just you know i'm just one voice amongst many my voice was amplified at this one occasion and i'm really pleased that it had been because george and i've been talking about this since 2018 and being um laughed off the stage if it's if you will. I'm pleased that this has happened now. I really am. And uh, I just hope that, w- that the industry continues to to improve and to evolve because that's what it's all about, isn't it? It's 
recognizing and listening and learning and then evolving so yeah that's the route forward and this is a really kind of difficult final question to ask let alone answer but it's like you know what do you what's on the cards for you do you think for for 2021 <laughs> who bloody knows i think is the easy answer to that well well our whiskey will evolve and there'll be a nice big launch hopefully do you know it's funny I, my in my head i was like i know who who knows the answer to that question it's my fridge because <laughs> i tell you what this sounds fun okay so I, I, I'm actually reading Can't Hurt Me by David Goggins at the moment, hence the, the Colour She Mind quote. And one of the things that he has in there about, it's, it, I actually, I identify with him in a lot of ways. He had a really difficult upbringing, a difficult childhood. And I don't think very many people know this about me, but I had a very difficult childhood as well. And he talks about using a lot of your, your previous experiences to and using that as fire to push yourself forward. So, but one of the things, one of the tricks he has is he writes post-it notes of um, different things he wants to achieve and do and, and be and all of, all of that kind of stuff. And he sticks it to his mirror and he calls it the accountability mirror. I don't really like post-it notes. They flap about too much and it kind of like drives my OCD insane. But um, I have an accountability fridge <laughs> with bits of paper stuck on with magnets. <laughs> and that's, so my accountability fridge knows what I want to achieve this year. <laughs> and it's all written down there in front of me. So every time I go to the fridge, which is a million times a day at the moment, I'm faced with everything that I want to achieve. So if I'm standing there, oh God, what have I done today? I've just been sitting on the couch watching more Gogglebox. <laughs> I really should be doing X, Y, Z, whatever else is on there. So um, yes, launching our whiskey is definitely one of those things. Getting outside every day is probably one of those smaller accountability things. There's a few others in there as well, which I probably won't go into very personal things, but then other stuff too, lots of writing that's coming up and projects and I don't know, just fun stuff I think always just doing what interests me rather than just saying yes to everything because that's going to bring me money I think I've learned a lot the last year to just take on the projects that I am interested in and passionate about because if you don't you're not going to enjoy your life you've got to enjoy your job right so and I think that's like the freelancer's code isn't it you just just take the jobs that you want to do stop saying yes all the time <laughs> You've just been hearing from the frankly inspirational Becky Paskin, booze writer, IWSC Spirits Communicator of the Year and co-founder of Our Whiskey as well. If you want to keep in touch with her, you can follow her across the socials at Becky Paskin and OurWhiskey.com. You definitely need to be favouriting that. My name's Kathy Caton and you've been listening to The Sipping Forecast. If there's a particular guest that you want to hear from on this podcast or a subject you want covered, just get in touch with me. You can tweet me at Kathy Caton, tag in at Brighton Gin while you're at it.